Hello and welcome back to my podcast. If you don't know what this podcast is about yet, I interview people that I admire and as a thank you, I make them a little portrait, which is usually on a reused piece of cardboard, just to make the whole process a little bit more sustainable. Today's guest is Diana Isaac. She is the CEO and co-founder of The Wineries. Why there is no TripAdvisor for wines? That was the question discussed by Diana and her husband over a glass of wine. After a trip covering five wine regions, all on a wine atlas that required way too much research than necessary. And that actually prompted the creation of the wineries. Diana left her career at the investment management firm BlackRock to pursue her curiosity and her newfound passion. In this episode, we talked about the idea behind a winerist, the values, the services that they provide, and the fact that they keep in mind the need to help the SMEs. We also talked about wine pairing, wine destinations, wine glasses, the wine show, about Moldova, of course, the pandemic, the global heating, and the shift the countries need to face and how they need to adapt to new temperatures and many other interesting subjects. We did not talk about charity, but it is a big part of Diana's life, as she is a big supporter of Charity Water and Hospice Angelus. She even founded her own NGO a few years ago called Two Water. What can I say? She is an inspirational woman and just makes me proud to be a Moldovan. So listen to this episode and enjoy it. Diana and welcome to my podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure, it's a pleasure. So Diana, I would like to, to start actually by asking you when you started Winerist, what kind of problem did you try to solve? Because usually entrepreneurs, they try to solve something when they start a business. So what was the problem that you were trying to sort? So we, uh, when we when we started the business, we were thinking about it uh, from a, very much of a personal uh, problem solving uh, perspective because we just had just been on a on a trip to Europe, and uh, this trip, although it was amazing, and uh, we went on um, on it with some of our best friends. When we go back, we realized that the wine tourism market, compared to all the other uh, markets out there, was still very much lagging behind. Um, and the reason uh, why that was the case is because there wasn't much available online when you were trying to do research, especially when you were in destination. And as you know, a lot of tourists, when they go on a trip, what they tend to do is they book their flight, they book their hotel, uh, but they don't actually book the activity that they want to do until they are in location. And that's exactly what we did. So we found ourselves in, in Burgundy and in Provence and in Tuscany uh, looking at multiple websites and trying to find a winery to visit, trying to find a, um, a particular restaurant to go to, um, and we really struggled. And the reason for that is because we had to use multiple websites and we just you know, spent time and time on end without, um, uh, without much, uh, much success. And um, when I go back, I said, look, you know, I, I was talking to my husband um, over uh, some wine as we got home and we were reminiscing our amazing trip. Um, and I said to him, look, it would be so amazing if there was a trip advisor for wine. 
um, so kind of a platform where you can uh, for wine travel where you can find everything in one place hotels wineries restaurants activities to do in a wine destination um and he jokingly looked at me and said well you know you don't like your job that much so why don't you uh quit and do it uh, so oh. um, that's exactly what happened um and uh you know i i i, I was going through a stage in my life where i i was really keen on leaving the financial sector and um i was looking for for that um that inspiring moment uh, to to make that shift and uh, and that was it that sounds uh, amazing and familiar because well we just had a little chat before this um interview and i was just telling you that i literally quit my job to follow my passion so i really feel for you um okay so let's let's go now to the actual services that you offer through your website do you do packages that include all these things that you're just saying. So tell me a little bit about what, what you offer as services. So we are uh, very much of a, an, an online platform. So because of that, uh, we tend to specialize in single uh, activities. So that means that we will sell a wine tour for a day or a winery visit uh, or a cooking class. And when we do offer all encompassing activities, so let's say a so-called package, we actually don't do it ourselves. We are, we do it through um, intermediaries, and the reason for that is because winerist is a specialist, an online specialist, but we are not local experts. So when it comes to packaging activities, we work with local uh, partners, and the reason we do that is because we are an online marketplace, but we are not actually a local expert. And what do I mean by that? We are not based in the region. We are not. We don't have the know-how, and as well as our partners do. So when it comes to packaging activities, we actually do it through our local partners who know all the details. They know exactly what is the best way to package things. Um, and then the way that we operate is we take a commission cut uh, on all of those activities. So the way that Winerist monetizes is we take a commission on every single transaction or every single activity that is sold on the website. And then we take a commission on every single package that is sold by our uh, local partners, our local providers. Um, and we get paid um, once the activity has taken place so that uh, we um, only get paid once the, uh, the customer has, has actually gone on the trip and is happy and uh, satisfied um, and we, you know, we uh, go back to them all the time and ask them to give us a candid review um, and tell us about their experience. So it's uh, it, for us, you know, it's it's it's, it's a lot about uh, giving them the best possible experience in that location and making sure that they have the best possible um, kind of review for us and feedback for us. And and if if that doesn't happen, then we're very quick at adjusting and changing things and adapting the product in that destination. Um, and it's, you know, it's always a bit of a cash 22 situation, but we really rely on customers to go on these trips in order for us to learn how to get better at our job. Mm -hmm. So I guess um, if we look now from the wineries perspective as well, or from local businesses, um, I remember you're saying in another podcast that um, sometimes little wineries like family owned businesses, they don't have the resources or the time or the money to invest in marketing. So I think in a way you actually help them out with this as well. 
that's exactly spot on and um, I'm glad that that message has come across uh, clearly. The, our goal when we started this was around supporting small and medium-sized businesses. If you look at the tra travel market, which is one of the biggest sectors um, worldwide, globally, um, and it makes one of the largest contributions to the world economy. Sadly, you know, the pandemic has done uh, things for the tourism market uh, that, you know, it will find very, very difficult to recover from, but nonetheless, it will bounce back because as we know, people love to travel uh, more sometimes than they love to, to do anything else. Um, so when, when we were looking at the sector, we saw that wine and food uh, travel it's one of those areas where people do this business or they embark on this um, adventure because they really love love it. It's a passion, you know, it's kind of a labor of love. Mm -hmm. um, very often what you do is you find out that you're working with people who are not very business-minded. And the reason why they are not very business-minded is because they love something so much, they want you to enjoy it also. So from a customer perspective, it's wonderful because once you go to, let's say, um, Sicily and you do a cooking class there with the local people, you know, you will have the most amazing, warm um, experience. If you go for a wine tasting on Etna, you know, again, you will be wel welcomed by people who have been making wine there for, you know, for over 150 years. And it's been, it's been in, in their family for generations. And they really want to tell you the story. But when it comes to actually being a, running a business, they don't really know how to do it. And they get very, very little support on doing it. Most yeah. people that, you know, other industry sectors within the travel industry, like, uh, um, you know, let's say Eiffel Tower tours or, you know, um, uh, visits to museums that can be bought in advance and so on and so forth. Anything like that is extremely advanced. It's very online. It's very easy to purchase and, and go on that trip. So with wine um, and food travel, what we thought is that we need to give our local partners the tools that to bring them online and to ensure that they can sell their product and also make money. You know, they have to be able to sustain themselves. And in this particular uh, economic situation, it has become even more apparent how important it is to go online, to automate things, to make sure that payments are easy, to make sure that refunds are easy, to make sure that your website is up to date and that all the information sits on there. And most importantly, to ensure that you have companies like Winerist and other distribution platforms that can sell things for you. Because even though you have to part with a commission and you have to give your commission to winerist the winer the winerist is absorbing all of your marketing costs and at the end of the day it's making your work easier so then if we can sell things for you you can just focus on that you know labor of love and continue doing the things that you love doing so much and so when we speak to our partners we always say look you know let us do the hard work the heavy lifting and then you can continue having this amazing life and welcoming people and giving them the best possible experience that sounds uh, very amazing. Uh, you mentioned Edna. Now, I have a curiosity now. Have you actually been to all the destinations that you have on your website as packages? Because I know you're saying you have local experts who advise you, but um, did you have the time to go to all the destinations? <laughs> Sadly not. Um, I, have, I have been to a lot of wine destinations. I'm very, very fortunate. 
Um, I traveled a lot before I started the business um, and that was primarily because I, I wanted to do quite a bit of research also because my husband uh, works in wine so he, he works in fine wine and together we have traveled uh, to a lot of European uh, winemaking uh, locations um, but also thanks to uh, my um, obviously job as I started developing wineries I started doing more and more travel um, and it's not just me my team um, travels um, you know at least four to five times a year mm-hmm. for, for work um, and uh, speaking of our local experts we speak to them all the time we pick up the phone and speak to them two three times a week uh, we ask them uh, to give us insight. We add new product to the website all the time. Even now with, uh, with the current situation, with the global pandemic, we're still continuing to add, edit and improve our product because we want to be ready when, when, things, uh, when things go, or when people can go back to travel. Because I feel like everyone is saying, you know, when things go back to normal, I don't, I don't think that that's a correct way of putting it. I think it's more about, you know, what the new normal is going to be. Um, and we want want to be prepared for it yeah okay let's talk a little bit about statistics uh, meaning well we just touched destinations and i would be curious to find out what are usually the most popular destinations that people go for so um what what is really interesting is that the vast majority of our customers are actually from, from the united states so that is our primary market for 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 customers and then a very uh, close um, early after that comes the the UK market um, and then we are very much concentrated in um, um, Scandinavia, Germany, Switzerland, um, South Africa, then Asia and Russia. So we we have quite a large let's say um, variation quite a, quite a lot of uh, various <laughs> types of uh, consumers to target Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, with uh, us, let's say, working primarily with the US and the UK market and actually English-speaking market, what we are finding is that um, the just destinations that we're selling most are still the same global Bordeaux, uh, Tuscany, uh, Burgundy, um, the Douro Valley uh, in, in Portugal um, has actually been on... Uh, uh, the first or second position for three years now uh, and uh, that is primarily because the Dora Valley is extremely popular with uh, with the UK um, and the US has, has picked up on it and is, is becoming very very curious about it and also because Dora Valley is truly one of the most spectacular most beautiful places I've ever been to um, and it's very well linked to Porto and it's a very dynamic uh, city and, and um, they've done a very big travel push. So they've been working very uh, closely with the tourism board to really promote the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, then I mentioned, I mentioned also Sicily, uh, Croatia, um, and uh, we are seeing uh, destinations like uh, uh, Slovenia um, coming, uh, growing as well in popularity, uh, just because we're dealing with a type of consumer that is very curious and you know, really keen. And the other thing that tends to happen is when we deal with the American customer, they, when they come to Europe, they don't just come for a day or two or for the weekend, like we are used to travel from London, you know, just hop on a plane and, and go somewhere for two days. When the American market comes to, the, to, to Europe, they tend to come and stay for two to three weeks. For them, this is a really big deal. It's a big holiday. Um, 
and then they tend to combine a few destinations. So they will come to Italy and they will go to Como and Lugana and we will do some wine tours there with them. And then they will go to Umbria or, or Tuscany and then they will travel down to the Amalfi coast. So we'll do something in Campania. Um, and then they might go to Sicily. So it's quite a, an extensive, um, extensive trip and very exciting to actually be able to work uh, with that type of consumer. It's a constant education actually for myself and for my colleagues, you know, it's really interesting. I imagine, I mean, it's a field uh, where you can always improve and find out things about businesses and people and customers. So it, it must be very exciting to work in this uh, business. So you, men you mentioned Slovenia and that's interesting because we've been to Slovenia and they were saying, well, first of all, we tried their wine and it's really, really nice, but they were saying they don't actually export it too much. And they were saying it as a joke, we only produce as much as we drink it because we like it so much. So um, it was interesting because I haven't I haven't seen uh, Slovenian wine before, and it didn't strike me that, that I don't export that much. So it's actually nice to have an experience to go to the wineries in uh, Slovenia and try them. Absolutely, the, uh, that's actually very true about Slovenian wine, and uh, it, you can only find it in, with a couple of independent wine merchants in uh, in the UK and probably even less so in the rest of Europe uh, or out, out of Europe. Um, and, and that is true. They don't make a lot of wine. Uh, they tend to uh, be large consumers of it locally. And um, other countries that I can I could bring as an example are Switzerland. Switzerland have only recently started thinking about exporting their wine, but otherwise they are very large producers of wine um, in uh, regions like Valais and Labo, and uh, they're beautiful wine destinations. They make really interesting wines there. But again, they don't share it with the rest of the world. They're very good at um, within their borders. And they're very, very proud of this product. They're very uh, keen to make uh, better wines and to constantly improve the quality. Um, and, you know, as you and I are from... Um, from Moldova, um, you know, Moldova is going through a, an amazing transition and has been for the past 15 years. Um, and today, you know, you're seeing um, an incredible variation of wines of high quality that are being produced here and they're being consumed internally. You know, th those high quality wines that are being made, whether it's sparkling or white or red, uh, whether it's international varieties or indigenous grape varieties like uh, Rara Negra or Viorica, um, you're finding that consumers are becoming more interested in um, drinking those wines and in learning about them. Um, and that, I think, is very much a, a result of wineries opening up their doors and encouraging more local consumers to go and visit and learn. Um, and as we know, there has been a lot of investment and a lot of push. So in Moldova and in Switzerland, um, you can see that wine tourism has actually promoted um drinking local wine and curiosity around local wines um and that is extremely exciting you know i i love seeing examples where wine travel actually has a positive impact and you know it's not just about bringing revenues locally but it's also uh, it also has a, a um an element of um I, I would say education so that brings me actually to the next question how easy or hard is it to advertise Moldova as a destination because you probably had this kind of 
reactions for people. Maybe people heard about Moldova, but they didn't know much about it. But I find actually that people that know about wines, they do know about Moldova. So I assume that your customers have already the knowledge about Moldova as a wine destination. But what did you find? What the statistics are telling you? Are people interested in Moldova as a destination? Is it hard or easy to advertise? You know, Moldova is, for me personally, a heartbreaking story this, this year. 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of destinations. Um, but for, for me personally, I feel really sad because up until last year, we were making such good progress with, with Moldova. And it wasn't, it wasn't hard for us to advertise it primarily because we have such a strong database of existing customers and the repeat customer rate is really increasing. So when we were dealing with a customer that has booked with us three, four times, for us to suggest Moldova to them was really easy. And for them to trust us and say, yeah, sure, I'll give it a go. You know, we will go to Moldova and it was um, a very uh, a very interesting sell and obviously because my team has been to Moldova and I can sell this as a destination it was really easy and interesting for us to um, to talk about it we have a lot of content on Moldova on the site um, we have a lot of really interesting partners here as you know um, Moldova in many ways is a lot more advanced when it comes to wine tourism than, than many you know many micro European destinations that I've ever been to there are um, wine hotels here that are, you know, in many ways, a lot more exciting than um, a lot of wine hotels in France. There are wineries here that conduct tours um, at, you know, the same level as a, a winery uh, of a high standard in, in Italy. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, with uh, with the global pandemic, Moldova has been seriously affected, and I hope that, uh, you know. This doesn't mean a, a regression. I just hope that this is just a pause. Mm -hmm. um, as things pick up and travel is, is picking up, we will be able to put on the map again. And we will do our best to, to sell it as a destination, not only because of my personal connection with it, but also because I think it's very exciting. It's perfect for all types of ages. You know, you come here and you have a really vibrant uh, capital. It's particularly exciting to visit in the summer. And then, you know, you have everything surrounding it. Um, every, everyone speaks a really good level of English. Uh, people are very welcoming. You know, you can find your way around really easily. Um, and it's great for young people. It's great for families. It's great for people who are tired and is looking for an adventurous type of, you know, off the beaten path experience. Um, and um, anyway, I don't need to sell it to you, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but you never know who is listening to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it must be tough for everyone at the moment, but let's hope um, it will recover. I would like to talk a little bit now about your collaboration with the wine show. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. How do you do you advise them? What what is the collaboration about? Because I'm not particularly sure how you're connected. Yeah, sure. So um, the wine show has been going for a, a while now, and they've got uh, uh, two series that are out, uh, and I highly recommend uh, that those of you who haven't seen it um, that go to Amazon Prime and and watch it. I believe that uh, series one. Season one is on there. 
um, season two will be going uh, live on there also. It's also live on uh, on Hulu in the United States. Um, and uh, series three is actually being finalized right now. And um, what happened with uh, our collaboration, the way we worked is we said um, that we will work together to promote wine travel content. So they have the video um, and the inspirational aspect, and then we have the ability to execute. Mm -hmm. So whenever somebody goes and watches an episode, let's say on Provence, and they want to be going on a trip, then they can come to us and we can um, make, that, make that happen for them. Um, and we are uh, in, in series three, we worked a lot closer. We have actually um, identified some destinations uh, as uh, target destinations for promotion this year. So we worked on a, on a marketing plan, um, which will be going into action as soon as uh, the series is live. And we also, uh, one is also featured in episode uh, one. So we uh, got featured in, episode, in an episode about Madeira. So we we hope uh, we hope that everyone enjoys it. I think it's it's exceptional. The quality is unbelievable. And some of the destinations are amazing. And um, the Dora Valley that I mentioned is getting featured uh, in in it also. And I think it's you know if if you are looking to find out more about a region, um, then you know that it's a starting point. And then as you know, Joe. Um, and the rest of the uh, uh, talent who are participating, they did such an amazing job. Um, and the producer, um, Mel, Mel Javish, is fantastic. And you know, they've, they've done a, a tremendous job in, in promoting this uh, so far. So everyone is very excited about the launch. So fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can, we can all, uh, all watch it. Yeah, we definitely enjoyed it. And... So I wanted to talk to you about another thing about the wine show because Moldova was featured at some point and we, I mean, obviously the wine is amazing. As you just said five minutes ago, the whole description about Moldova is, you know, just, it's, it's just a super destination to go to. But somehow we got the this vibe that the service wasn't that good. Obviously there is no way you can predict who is going to um, behave how and and basically what happened was that the person that was responsible for doing the tours came across a little bit rude and a little bit not interested that's the idea that we got that they got if you know what i mean and in contrast we watched i don't know if you've seen jack whitehall with his father traveling and they went to moldova as well and that series is on netflix and as a contrast, they got someone else who presented wines to them and they were so friendly and so nice that actually they've invited him to another trip. So the guy from Moldova who was presenting the wines got to travel with them somewhere else. So this, this is just kind of the, I want to touch the point of the importance of giving a good service every time. Did you get the same impression? Because maybe I'm overreacting here. <laughs> A little bit, uh, a little bit difficult to uh, say. Well, I'm not going to say too much just because I know the background of the filming. Uh -huh, um, okay. I agree. I think that you, you're right, um, and I think that in, in when it comes to hospitality, it just shows how important people are um, in in our industry. And you know, you can go to a winery and you can have one experience, and then you can go to the same winery and have a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. and that is because uh, travel hospitality is 
um, a business of people. And if people let you down and uh, they do not uh, deliver to you and want to give you the best experience, then you know you might as well forget about about it. And that is how bad happen. Um, and one thing that is uh, I want to say here in kind of defense uh, of our uh, little little country that Moldova has gone through such a transition. You know, there there are very um, a lot of that have gone through this transition and through the struggle. Um, and I'm not making excuses, but um, Moldova has gone through a, a significant uh, change and the transformation, especially in the past six, seven years, has been radical. Um, and that has to do a lot with the work of the local people who um, have do done a lot of uh, work on themselves. And, and also the fact that now wineries and hotels and a lot of tour operators, they are in the hands of individuals who had experience abroad, who have looked to uh, the West in terms of learning about hospitality. There's been a lot of support from inter international projects to sustain and to develop the industry. And what is really interesting as well is the fact that um, a lot of the young generation is now in charge. Mm -hmm. um, young generation, they really are understanding how important it is to present yourself in the best possible light. Um, and you know, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really hopeful that that continues. And most importantly, you know, I am I'm going to do my best to make sure that the wine show comes to Moldova and that at this time we can um, give Moldova the um, the image or the representation that it that it has. Sounds like a good plan. Okay, so let's go back to your uh, business and your staff because I've noticed that uh, you give a lot of opportunities to women, which is amazing. I think, yeah, is, is that right? Did I get it right? You have a lot of women working for your company. I do. I it's you know it's not in any way intentional, uh, but um, I do, and a lot of the women that I work with. Uh, 99.9 percent. Um, only one of them is not is not a mother and about to become one. Um, the the uh, women that I work with, they are all, are all moms, um, and they are juggling a lot of things. Um, and um, again, you know, it has been very difficult for them to work in the current environment. Um, but I love love working with them because I think they are extremely hardworking, extremely committed. They have amazing abilities to uh, to sell an incredible emotional intelligence, and the dynamic is just so fun. Uh, you know, back in the days when we were in uh, in the office, it was always really really exciting um, when we were all together in in the same place because that didn't happen very often uh, for the reason that the women that I work with they have children, so it includes a lot of pick up and drop off from school, um, and uh, we at wineries accommodate. For that, so we don't have, uh, let's say, the nine to five working um, schedule that um, a conventional business does. Mm -hmm. And so when we are in the office, it's always really great because we have so many stories to share, uh, a lot of tips on how to to raise kids, um, mm -hmm. uh, and how to you know uh, how to go through the hardship of raising them, um, and uh, it's it, it's really great. Now that doesn't mean that we don't uh, encourage men applying. <laughs> to uh, our jobs um, but I would say that uh, it's it's quite a, a fun environment to work in but it's also really demanding and uh, yeah, yeah the, the women that I work with they, they're a true inspiration to me so I just want to launch this opportunity 
say thank you to them because you are all, you're all great. Um, and I have a, I have a few more buildings that work with us actually, so that's you know, just another another thing that makes me really really happy and proud. That's great. I think it's amazing that you um, give basically opportunities uh, and jobs for all these people, and you have, it seems like you have a great team. So I'm a bit uh, jealous now. <laughs> We're always looking for new people to join, so you never know. Okay, so after this uh, interview, I'll put, I'll put my CV through. <laughs> oh, okay. Talking about uh, genders, I also saw, so I, I really love your website because you give all these numbers and number of clicks and all this information. So I've seen that roughly your client base is half women, half men, which is great because you get equal interest from uh, from everyone. I, I found this really, really interesting. It's one industry that you get equal uh, amount of interest from both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, uh, when, we, when we went into this business, uh, we were uh, looking at, all, at the industry and we were seeing that a lot of the time it was actually the women that were researching and booking the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with the world going online more and more, that has very much changed. Um, and um, another thing that was happening when we were just started starting the business, everyone was saying, well, you know, there are more men in the wine industry, men are more interested in travel and so on and so forth. Um, and for us, it was a real surprise, a very exciting uh, surprise to see that it was very much 50-50. Um, and in time, we're also seeing that um, Women, more and more women are getting into wine, wine education. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with the WSET, um, a school for uh, wine education in, in the UK. Well, it's actually a globally recognized diploma, but there are more and more women who are leaving their jobs and who are going into wine and getting their wine qualification and getting more into wine education and you know, wine travel. Um, a lot of the people that we work with, they have this gives them the confidence to to talk about wine tourism um, and that's really exciting so for example we work with uh, a few wine writers uh-huh. and these wine writers are all women but they have uh, this wine qualification so when they talk and write about wine and wine travel they do it with a lot more confidence mm-hmm. um, so it's it, i would say that in recent years the balance has shifted and it's definitely more 50-50, and, and that's an exciting thing to see. So talking about wine education, let's talk a little bit about the importance of drinking the right wine with the right food, so the wine pairing. And did you, did you find that with your job, do you find more exciting and interesting pairings that you didn't used to think that they could go together? Um, absolutely. I think that with, with working in this industry, it's become a lot more curious and start uh, going into areas that you wouldn't have gone into before. Um, and I think that when it comes to wine and food pairing or wine and food preferences, there is no such thing um, as you know a, a standardized format. Um, because wine and taste is uh, is something that is very personal. Um, it you know it is mostly about trying, tasting something, and figuring out if you like it or not. Um, I, for example, 
I'm, I would say, more a little bit more adventurous with my food and wine bones um, uh, than um, others. But I, I find that in time, I know more what I, what I like and what I don't like. So obviously, that's a lot to do with being, being a little bit more inquisitive. And going on a wine trip does exactly that. When you go to a wine destination that you haven't been to before and you get presented with something that you would never think about pairing, you have to say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll taste it rather than saying, oh, no, I only drink rosé or, oh, no, I only drink, um, you know, Pinot Grigio or, I, you know, I don't really like Cabernet Sauvignon because that's a really punchy wine. So the, the great thing about wine travel is that it can open up horizons for you. And if you still don't like it, then that's fine. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's about an experience. Um, it's, it's about discovering new things. I, for example, thanks to my job, have discovered Gewurztraminer, which is a great variety that I didn't know uh, of 10 years ago. I also had a couple of experiences with Riesling before I, I started Winerist, and I wasn't a big fan, and I thought, oh, God, you know, I'm not a big fan of Riesling. And then as I started doing this and I started tasting more and more Riesling, I, I realized that I actually love Riesling and it's one of my favorite grape varieties and it's just so exciting. So it's, it, you know, it comes down to, to experimenting. But at the end of the day, you drink and you eat what you like and you don't let other people tell you what to do because, you know, when it comes to food and wine, that's, that's about what you want and what you want, what, what you would like to do. Yeah, I mean, I had uh, experiences when I asked red wine with uh, seafood and I didn't get the most pleasant looks from the staff. They were like, why, why are you drinking red wine with seafood? But uh, yeah. yeah, I guess it's, it's up to personal taste, as you say. Absolutely, and I do know people who only drink red and I know people who only drink white or only like rosé. And then, you know, when you... You take some. You ask them to suggest that they taste something different than they do, and they discover something for themselves. For example, if you, if I were to sit next to you and say, "Oh, you know, you you were drinking red wine with seafood," I might. What I might do is I might suggest a really cool, uh, a really great white wine that might surprise you when paired with with seafood. Mm -hmm. um, that might might make you rethink um, your your pairing. And um, unfortunately. In recent, in recent years, there's been a big shift in the United Kingdom, as you know, when it comes to wines that are available in pubs, for example. Mm -hmm. You go to a pub and you find two to three wines, a Pinot, like white wines, a Pinot Grigio, a Chardonnay um, that is really aesthetic, um, and maybe something like a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and, you know, Sauvignon Blanc in pub level 10, 15 years ago was in particular really exciting. Today, if you go to a pub, a gastro pub in particular, you can find amazing, um, amazing wines there. But it very much depends on the staff, you know, to encourage you to taste something slightly different. Like, for example, a Vigno Verde or a Varigno. Um, for example, go really well with But again, it's about the staff educating the consumer and, and, and doing it the, the right way. So it, it sounds like you and I need to go for some wine and seafood. Very yes. Yes, I'm all up for it. <laughs> do, you, do you pay attention to the type of glass? Because, so, I mean, obviously everyone knows that there is, you know, a type of glass for wine and sparkling, but 
I, for example, didn't know until a few years ago that you can get specific types of glasses for specific types of wines, even within the red wine range, for example, or uh, with a sparkling wine. Um, scientifically speaking, I saw a, a TV show talking about the fact that the shape of the tulip, the type of glass, that's the best one for the sparkling wines. Because, again, I don't know how that works, but scientifically speaking, it keeps the bubbles, like it, it has that particular shape. Because we're used to the most common type of sh shape that we see with sparkling, but apparently that tulip one is the best. Do you, do you pay attention to the types of glasses? Do you think it makes a difference? What do you think about that? Absolutely, um, I do, um, and I I am very much a um, the kind of person who will say, you know, I, I I'm open minded and I will not say, oh, I will absolutely not drink out of this out of this type of glass. But um, I have discovered quite a lot of glasses for myself over the last uh, few years, and I can say with conviction that it makes a huge difference. Um, but again, it's a matter of, of personal uh, preference. So I know people who like to drink out of very heavy glasses. So uh, glasses that tend to be a little bit more um, solid, you know, you can really feel it in your, in your hand. So for example, um, a, a Riedel glass, um, which um, is really a, you know, one of the most recognized brands and a brand with amazing reputation. Um, I know people who like to drink out of uh, glasses that are a bit uh, less uh, heavy or kind of lighter. So, for example, the Zalto glass, uh, which is very, very light. It's basically like a feather in your hand. Um, and it's one of those um, glasses that feels very, very airy. Um, but when it comes to the shape um, and the uh, uh, kind of breathing that the glass allows the, the wine to have. I, I think that I agree that it does change the experience. However, uh, Jancis Robinson, who many in the wine industry will know her as the basically god in, in wine, in all things wine, um, has actually developed um, her own uh, glass a couple of years ago. And uh, her glass is uh, supposed to of glass that accommodates all types of wine so you can drink any kind of wine out of that glass and that's because its shape um, its uh, weight is very much um, made for the consumer who doesn't want to have 20 types of glasses in in the cupboard and it's perfect because if you live in a small London flat then you know you don't really get it up with uh, with 10, 20 types of glasses I've never so, heard about it so that's a great discovery yeah, it's really good, and I, I highly, I highly recommend that you try it. I've, I've tried it. I've got, I've got a, a set at home, and I really like it. And I always, people are always surprised by them. Um, I have, uh, I'm very much a, of a, a fan of, um, of Zalto. So I have um, Zalto at home, and their, their Bordeaux and Burgundy glass is one of my favorites. It does change my, my experience with wine completely. Um, and I also um, uh, like um, S, uh, SW glass, uh, which is again a, a really, a really interesting one. But again, I'm I'm saying that here it's about experimenting, it's about trying what works for you, and it depends if you're doing it for the home or if you're doing it for a restaurant. If you're, you know, if you're a restaurant uh, or a bar, then you have to probably look at something that is going to be a little bit more resistant to the third home and 
you can afford to, to go for something that is a bit more <laughs> whimsical. But um, again, experiment, try and see what, what works for you. And um, and if you want to drink wine out of the same glass, nobody's going to judge you. At the end of the day, it's, it's mostly about what you, what you are comfortable with. I think with, with this current global situation, we also have to look, we have learned a lot about the fact that, you know, we have to feel comfortable in our own skin. We have to kind of find our ourselves our way to ourselves and make sure that we, we find the comfort in small things. So do what you want to do as long as it's fair and correct and obviously uh, doesn't doesn't infringe other people's happiness. But I'm pretty sure that drinking out of a certain glass and, and getting comfortable with it is not going to affect anyone's happiness. So uh, um, yeah, it's, it's up to you. I really love the messages that you're sending. So it's yeah, really positive, nice messages. So I have one more question from me and then I'll go quickly through the questions uh, that one of our listeners uh, sent to me. So my last question is, with the global heating, we are seeing shifts in obviously in temperature. So countries like the UK, um, also thanks to the fact that they have chalk, but also thanks to, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Obviously, global heating is not a good thing, but countries like the UK start making better wine and mm -hmm. in contrast uh, some places of france for example they got way too hot for the types of wines that they used to make do you see any shift in in this regard and do you kind of have a little bit of predictions of how the destinations will change in time i mean global warming is a real thing um we all know that this is definitely happening um, I think the UK is a good example because, uh, as you said, you know, it's, they're making more and more wine and um, it's, it's good quality wine. It's expensive. It's expensive to buy, it's expensive to make because obviously we live in the UK where um, well, our cost of life is, is a lot higher. Uh, but um, I think that uh, wine, uh, climate change is having a uh, significant uh, impact on, on, on wine regions. For example, uh, Portugal is a great, great example where in the south, uh, the grapes are getting so roasted. So, for example, in the Douro Valley, um, um, there are many, not many destinations where it's allowed to irrigate wine. Uh, but in the Douro Valley, they allow you to irrigate uh, vines. Because it's so hot there that the grapes literally are getting roasted. It's like putting them in an oven. Um, and harvest has to happen earlier and earlier. So, for example, um, one thing that we are trying to do a lot more in, uh, in Moldova right now is we're, trying, we're having conversations with winemakers about the fact that harvest needs to be uh, taking place earlier. Uh, because it's, it's increasingly hot and leaving grapes to September, it's, it becomes problematic. So going back to the case of Portugal, what they've had to do is they've had to adapt, A, uh, irrigate, B, they have to harvest a lot earlier, C, they have to harvest in at different times for different plots um, so that they can adapt to climate change. And the same thing with Bordeaux. Bordeaux is having a, a similar experience. You know, they are now rethinking the grape varieties that they have to plant in Bordeaux. Um, and that is because Bordeaux is becoming hotter and, and hotter. 
So it's it's a real thing. We predict that we will be seeing a lot more grape varieties uh, coming from the south to the north, you know, because it's obviously becoming hotter and hotter. So France and uh, Italy is going to start having to rethink the way that it uh, plants grapes and the uh, vines that it uses. Um, and I think that we will uh, see a shift in the types of wines that some destinations uh, make. You know, there's one thing about winemakers and the wine industry is that these individuals, they're so able to adapt and they're so able to work hard that they uh, are a true inspiration. Winemakers are a true inspiration for me. And whenever I feel that my uh, work is difficult or that I'm going through a struggle, I always think about some of my friends who are winemakers, about the fact that they have to work in heat, they have to get up in the morning, that they don't sleep because they worry about their vines. You know, they worry about their vines more than someone worries about their baby. Um, so then I, I think about them and I'm like, okay, that's good. Life is good. Um, I, I need to, you know, I can, I can do it, get up and, and go again. So winemakers are amazing. They're very resilient um, and they always find, find a way. And I hope that they find a way through the challenges that climate change yeah they are true inspiration indeed okay so let's go quickly through the questions sent by anna one of, of our listeners and you actually know anna as well uh first question where does your passion for wine comes from and did you choose your partner by this criteria so i think this is as a joke that <laughs> do you like do you like wine so much that you had to choose a partner that likes wine as well <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I met Paul and my husband way way before I got into wine. So he he got in, he got me into wine. I would say, um, I was working in in finance at the time. I was working at BlackRock. Um, so I was very much quite quite con conventional in my uh, in my wine drinking habits. Didn't really know much uh, back then. So when I met Paul, I was really kind of captured uh, captivated um, by this by this world and he introduced me to a lot of great varieties so um no is the answer <laughs> i didn't i i didn't but i i am i'm going to forever be thankful to Paul for the fact that he um he opened up this world for me um and uh and yeah i'm, I'm really excited that i I'm, and my passion for wine uh comes from curiosity um i would say that i'm the kind of person who, who loves to um, experiment with wine you know I will never say no to tasting the new always whenever I go to a destination um, I will always ask if they make wine or if they make uh, some sort of uh, you know drink there so for example we went to Kauai last year for a few weeks and um, I found wine there so they do make wine there um, and I found it and I tasted it and uh, it was great so it's uh, it it comes from curiosity. I guess the desire to learn comes always from from curiosity, um, and uh, it's it's really very really important that we don't lose that. Second question from Anna: How do you manage to combine family with business, and especially that you're a newly mom for the second time, so you have a new uh, born baby? How do you manage to combine all of this? It takes a village to raise a child, and in my particular case, that's definitely true. I have a lot of help. My family um, is very much involved, and I wouldn't be able to do this uh, without them. And they're amazing uh, on both sides, on on Paul's side and on my side. So we're really grateful for that, um, and uh, we we do get help. Uh, but you know, uh, we also have decided when we have children that we were going to take our children with us, and they will will travel with us, and. 
date, uh, you know, our our son has been to most destinations that we've been to. Um, he's a very good traveler, so if you get them used uh, to it from a young age, they they adapt very easily. Um, when it comes to work-life balance and uh, doing your job, uh, as well as as looking after children, as I said, it's a lot about health. Um, but it's a lot uh, about managing and juggling a lot of things. So I don't sleep very much, and I'm really lucky because I don't need a lot of sleep. Um, but um, I I I do do work around around them. I want my children to feel that I'm present, um, just like I want my business to feel like I'm present. So um, it's not easy, but it's definitely doable. And I guess as you're saying earlier as well, uh, the business model is not a typical one, nine to five you kind of create this flexible working around your life as well. So I guess that allows you to do that too, because you have this mindset already. Absolutely. And you end up working a lot more um, because, uh, you know, we were talking with my colleagues and we definitely work a lot more than we do now. But you, and you work weekends and you don't really have, uh, um, you know, a holiday in the conventional sense. But that's the that's the pathway that we choose, um, and we we love it. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we love the industry and we love the people that we work with, um, and that's very rewarding. Third question from Anna is: Do you have three values that you've accumulated throughout your life and that you keep strong to them? Um, I've, I've learned a lot along the way. Um, I, d- I definitely say that I've got a lot of work to do, so I'm constantly working on myself. Um, I've, I've taken up meditation, I do a lot uh, of uh, yoga and Pilates and I spend a lot of time outdoors at the moment. I find that that is really good for me um, and it keeps me keeps me more balanced. And I, I think it's hard because those value, values are changing um, a lot of the time, but I think the three that are consistent, um, definitely um, openness uh, or let's say honesty, because I think that that's really important. Um, gratitude uh, is again uh, extremely important. You have to be always thankful for the things in your life, whether they're small or big. Uh, you have to always express gratitude. Um, and I think the third one is probably um, curiosity. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you have to be uh, curious and um, engaged in order to to continue developing and exploring in a business because the business, running a business is, as, as you know is hard um, and you in order to not give up you have to always be curious about the different angle and how can you how can you discover anything how can you adapt um, and uh, that's exactly what we've had to do this year with you know with, with our business being pretty much obliterated uh, by the global pandemic we've had to rethink and pick ourselves up and say okay we'll we can do, we can continue doing this, but we're going to do things slightly differently. So I think those, those are the three. Amazing. Before we wrap up, do you have anything else that I'm asking you and you really want to talk about? No, I don't think so. I would just like to encourage people to uh, explore drinking wine while if, if they can't travel and as borders start opening up and closing uh, to uh, keep an eye out and to, you know, to stay curious about these, these wine destinations. But most importantly, try to develop, try to explore in your own destination. If you're based in the UK, go and explore the wine regions in England. If you're in Moldova, go and explore a winery on your doorstep. 
um, there is so much more out there to see. And it, now it's really important that we go and support these individuals who need our help more than ever before. Diana, thank you so much. And I wish, I wish you best of luck with everything you do. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for having me.